It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Better Faster Podcast. We're coming at you a little bit late this week. It's actually on a Thursday. And the reason for that is because, Josh, I know you were in Portland last week doing a body tempering course at at Chris Duffin's place, too, which looked really awesome, by the way. Um, So, you know, all the traveling included with that. We wanted to make sure we could actually give you guys a good episode. So better late than never, right? But, dude, I I, want to know, is is Duffin as big in person as he looks on the internet? He's a big dude, man. He's not uh, particularly tall, but he is a stout individual. Um, Thick. Yeah, man, it was his school because like two days prior to us going out there, he posted the, his most recent video, most recent accomplishment, and was squatting a thousand pounds for a double. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to see just because I was curious because he took a long time before he did the first rep after he had picked it up off the pin. And uh, I timed it. It was like 27 seconds or something. He had a thousand pounds on his back. It's like mm-hmm. no big deal. Um but no, it was an awesome experience, man. He was great. Um, their facility is great. His team is great. And we had have, we have one of our biggest courses yet. We had like, I think, 48 people in attendance, which is just awesome. Um, yeah, it was so much fun, man. We're going to try to make Portland a uh, yearly occurrence uh, just because it was just a fun experience for all involved. We had so much fun. And, and of course, I had to come back with a boomstick to add it to the clinic oh, arsenal. Yeah. I'm away. I'm away here any day now. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's actually really fitting because this episode we're going to be talking about Peck major tears and ruptures, which is a very common big man powerlifting injury. And I know Duffin back when I, so I tore my pec a few years ago and we'll get into that story in a little bit, but I know I was like researching the hell out of it back when I was going through my rehab and I was sitting at home with my sling and I remember seeing a video of Duffin. He was like a month out benching 300 with a slingshot on. So uh, don't, don't try that at home. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but you know, he's always stood out of my head since then. But before we dive into that, you know, a few, few current events we want to talk about. So yeah. we talked a couple episodes before about the the recent CMS ruling where they made it a requirement where you could not bill Theract or manual therapy on the day of an eval that has since been reversed. So that's definitely good news and and, and excited about that less of a headache in the clinic. But you know, the, the the, the cynical person to me, has to think that this is like the magician's oldest trick, right? You know, look mm-hmm. at this hand, so you can't see what this hand's doing. So we're going to give you your codes back, but we're still going to cut your 8 to 15% reimbursement for PTs, PTAs. But, uh, you know, is what it is better than nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Exactly. It's it's one of those things like it, it's being lauded as a win for us, and, and, and that is a win, right? And it's good mm-hmm. that, that they, there was people who fought for it, and we wrote letters, we did what we needed to do, and, and there was a, a response and actually came in our favor, which is a rare for, it seems like, for any uh, issue that we're, um, you know, trying to battle with. But um, like you said, 
ultimately this was is still not near as uh, as impactful as uh, what can we do about that eight percent cut. So yeah. it'll be interesting going forward, man. <laughs> Jose ain't loyal, man. <laughs> so so this is this is actually interesting too because I'm I'm part of a business networking group, and and one of the guys in the group he what is what he does is he appraises businesses right and, and he sells them. And we were at a dinner about a month ago, and I was just. I was, I was picking his brain. I was like, Hey man, so this CMS thing, you know, cuts, are, are you seeing a lot of PTs wanting to sell clinics? And, you know, he's actually very professional and, you know, would not, you know, he has NDAs and would not tell me about any specific business, but he did mention that, yes, that is happening. People are selling, but he also brought up a point that across every industry, when you rely on the government a lot, so you have a lot of government contracts. So in this case, Medicare for physical therapists, it significantly devalues your business, right? So that's just something to think about. If we do have any of those entrepreneurs or business owners listening and, and one of their goals is to build up business to sell it one day, it, it might hurt you in the long run, um, having a lot of, relying on a lot of Medicare and, and honestly, probably in TRICARE for that way. Yeah, man, that's interesting. I never really thought about that, but uh, with our ever-changing uh, political climate and and uh, anything uh, in that regard, too, it's interesting. I can see how that would be uh, maybe a point of concern for a, a potential investor or somebody that might want to buy a clinic. So it, it, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that until yep. you brought it up. And then the last thing, uh, workout two, fitness physio coming yeah. up. Coming, coming at, at you Monday, right? Monday, so, Monday, February 3rd. A little preview, maybe. So so our yeah. sponsor for this one is, is Crossover, Crossover Symmetry. Symmetry yep. And that's intentional because this workout is going to challenge your gymnastic skills. Yeah. And that's probably all we want to say right now. Yeah. It's just coming out in a few days, but yeah. you know, start thinking about that. Look, look out for that on our Instagram at vertex PT. It's going to be Monday morning when we, we put it out there. Yeah. Um, but man, this thing is blowing up. You know, I have on good accord that patients are calling clinics all around the world and they're only scheduling with PTs who are doing fitness physio. That's like, what I heard. I heard, too. I heard, I heard, heard PT students. Interviewing yeah. for interviewing for jobs, they're getting asked this during their interviews. So yeah. you got to sign you gotta up. Got to be ready. You local, have to be ready. Yeah, local comp.com Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is akin to any other certification you might be trying to get, or or where you went to PT school or anything. I mean, it's it's now becoming a requirement in the right. industry. You know, you got to be able to walk the walk. And so yep. uh, it, it's been fun already putting this thing together, and the yep. reach and the feedback's been great, mm -hmm. and we're pumped to get event two out there next week. That's right. Absolutely. So. Back to the episode. So this one we wanted to, to talk a little bit about pec major strains, tears, ruptures, whatever you want to call it. So um, we, what prompted this episode is we actually have a patient on the schedule who's dealing with this. And, uh, you know, I hadn't seen one of these in probably a good I don't know, six months or so. It's been a while, but I actually... I'm very familiar with this because I, I ruptured my pec major and had a, a pec major repair subsequently. Um, 20, 2015, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the story behind that was it, I initially, in hindsight, realized that I partially ruptured it when I was doing a thoracic manipulation on, on a patient, just a very, very wide patient. It's, it was what we call the high dog technique where you kind of wrap your arm around the patient and, you know, put your hand between their shoulder blades. And when I went to drop down and do the thrust, he sort of rolled away from me and it just yanked on my arm. I just remember that pain was excruciating. Like it about put me on my knees, but it only lasted for about 10 seconds. And then, you know, after that, I was good to go. Like I felt something in the front of my shoulder. I actually thought it was my, my biceps tendon at the same time because those two tendons actually cross over one another. And so that occurred in September of that year, it's 2015. So for about three months, you know, I was still going about my business. I was working, I was working out, you know, some days I feel something, some days I wouldn't. And then I, I remember the, the exact day, it was December 23rd because my daughter was a month old. I was in the gym bench pressing, feeling really good. I was on the, the eighth rep of a set of 10 
And just on the way down in the East Century, it just felt like a freaking t-shirt ripping in my arm. And it was more like the sound and the feel. It wasn't actually very painful when it happened, but you know, I was able to, to, to dump the barbell and you know, I, I immediately just felt the blood swelling up in my arm and it kind of like went to a little bit of an existential crisis. Like I wasn't in so much pain, but like, I was like, man, my daughter's mother thought I might be able to hold her. Uh, you know, as we were about to start Vertex, about to open up the business. I was like, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to make money and that sort of thing too. So, you know, I sat on the floor and just, you know, caught my bearings with was breathing probably for about 10 minutes. And, um, you know, luckily I was able to call the orthopedist uh, really quickly and he was able to get me in after hours. And this, you know, shout out to Mickey Plymouth. He's, he's a, he's a surgeon who we, who we actually respect a lot and, and, and see a lot of patients from because they have great outcomes. He's a, he's an Andrews fellow here in Columbia. And, um, you know, he got me in, uh, unfortunately I had to wait five days cause it was around Christmas and I got the surgery on December 28th and, and kind of went from there. Yeah, man, I remember when that was going on, um, and you told me that happened, and and you know it was it was easy to see that you were a little shaken up about it too, man. Like the things they were going to have to do, and, and and being able to still treat patients and try to figure all that out too. Um, and I'm glad you're able to get that done quickly. I remember Kelsey and I brought dinner one time over there too, uh, while uh, Scarlett had just been born, and and so um, it's one of those things that can definitely be a little scary, right? So um, you know, if someone does feel like they may have done something to their pec. You know, what kind of things are you looking for? Or what kind of things are you going to see um, in that initial presentation of somebody who maybe has experienced this? Like where, where might you have some swelling? Where, what, what might be painful? What, can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? So uh, I'll answer that, but I do actually want to back up a little bit and just mention that, you know, prior to that happening, I've been practicing for about five years and honestly probably have treated like a handful of pec major repairs, even when my first job worked in orthopedic surgeon's office, but I was actually able to spin this. And so, you know, Dr. Plymouth, who um, repaired my pec major, he actually started sending me a bunch of pec majors, you know, here in Columbia. So I actually got to see a lot. And, you know, some of the commonalities are, you know, there's not a ton of these in the literature, right? Because, you know, I was, I was laid up in the bed researching, looking at all kinds of stuff on the internet about what other people do in the rehab. And that's where I came across Duffin at the time. But um, the commonalities are people commonly misunderstand it for a tear of the biceps. Right. And I even, I even thought that myself initially when, when I, you know, initially probably partially tore it because of the location. I mean, that pec tendon runs directly across from the the biceps and, and, and sit and, and attaches on the, like that lateral aspect, that bicepital groove. Right. So that's where a lot of people have pain, but, and, and, and they have swelling, ecchymosis, right. Bruising in the upper arm along the bicep. So people think, you know, conventional wisdom is, you know, if I'm swollen in my upper arm, my bicep, I must have torn my bicep and they think it's going to actually be the pec itself, but you're going to expect to see swelling, ecchymosis, you know, basically blood in the upper arm. That's going to turn into bruising within a few days. Um, if the pec tear is big enough, you will see, you know, a bit of a deformity where there's almost like an indention or a hole, you know, kind of like that, that lateral outside aspect of the muscle belly of the, of the pec major. Um, initially, man, everything's going to be painful, but if you want to get really specific with it, you know, you got to keep in mind, you got two heads of the pec major, right? You got a sternal head and a clavicular head. And so, you know, that that's every, horizontal pressing is probably just not going to happen if it's a rupture, right? You know, that's why, you know, if it happens on bench press, which is the most common injury that you see, um, you know, the, the barbell you know, falls on them or they have to dump it like I did that kind of thing. But, you know, flexing the shoulder, trying to raise up overhead, you know, that, that, activates that sternal head um you know it, it also puts a stretch a little bit on parts of that clavicular head and vice versa if you go into shoulder extension so man everything's gonna hurt right so we've you know worked with people who you know have tried to run afterwards and like when they're trying to sprint and they're having to kind of do that hand to cheek motion and when that arm is coming back and it's putting a stretch on that pec you know that can be excruciating and that sort of thing um everything's gonna be painful and guarded you know because a fresh injury and um you know has a really you know 
high blood supply. So um, expect a lot of that. And, um, you know, depends on if and when you get into physical therapy, get to see a surgeon, the dust will settle and some of those, you know, really diffuse painful things and movements are going to get a little more specific later on. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I think that's really specific too. And, uh, and really good information there, especially from a differential standpoint, looking at, uh, it does seem to, to, to be, uh, at least, uh, initially kind of presumed to be a biceps thing. A lot of times I've only gotten to see one, um, in my limited time practicing, I've only gotten to see one. Um, so, uh, I definitely defer to you on a lot of these type of things. So, um, when you get this person in, or they say they have that, that surgery, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of your process of, uh, maybe if they had the surgery, what your timeline's looking like and what, how you're progressing some things. And then if it's going to be, try to be more of a conservative approach, maybe dive into that too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so basically if you got to decide whether you want to go conservative or get surgery and what it's been estimated is that if you go conservative, you're only going to get about 70% of your prior function back. Right. So if you're competitive, if you, if you like to train, you can make gains, then in this case, you might want to get the surgery. Right. So in my case, um, Plymo used, use endo buttons where you attach to the my humerus. Um, and I know that they'll use different pieces of hardware, but from what I understand, the long-term outcome is the same. But when a patient comes in, um, you, you kind of want to think about the terminal task. So, you know, most common thing is, is bench pressing, right? So you, it's expected that sometime around five to six months post-op, they should be comfortably bench pressing 50% of their previous one rep max. So you got to keep in mind, that's going to be a very slow process. And it's going to take some time to get there. Um, side note too, um, I've seen, not just people getting this from bench press, it's also been from jujitsu, kind of getting put into an arm bar and, and not tapping out when they needed to, that sort of thing as well. But you know, reverse engineering, we're going to be looking at heavy bench press as time goes along. When they initially come in, they're going to be in a sling for four to six weeks. And one of the things to keep in mind, and one of the caveats with this is, you know, we got to protect the, the, the soft tissue here. And so we got to control, we can control, think about nutrition, think about sleep, think about training the three other extremities, but it's also, you'll, you'll see this a lot whenever you talk to your surgeons or if you see it in the protocols that they don't want a lot of aggressive biceps contractions early into that. And I actually asked my surgeon about that. And I was like, you know, is it is a reason for this? Cause we don't want to, you know, tension that, that, you know, pec tendon cause it literally sits right on top of that bicep. And he's like, yeah, that's part of it. But the other thing too, is those two tendons will actually create friction. If you start doing too much too soon, you can give yourself a nasty tendinopathy, you know, the biceps, you got another problem to deal with too. So that's going to slow you down a little bit because, you know, even though you're going through your phase one stuff, it's like, you know, shoulder isometrics progressing into active range of motion and then even like working things above and below, including the elbow, you're not going to be able to hold a weight in your hand for a little bit, right? You know, I know my surgeon said, don't hold anything heavier than a coffee cup for the first six weeks and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, initially it's shoulder rehab um, with going a little bit slower on the biceps. It's, it's your typical stuff, right? You're going to be, you know, doing some isometrics. You're going to be doing gentle passive range of motion, um, just slowly progressing that over time, progressing into active assistive, and then, you know, finally active range of motion during that phase. Gotcha. So, so definitely a big part of this, uh, when you are deciding from a surgical standpoint or you're outlining this with a patient or, uh, or any of those things is, is discussing the expectations. Cause this is, seems like this is a long time. Uh, you know, 50% yeah. of your one rep max five, six months later is, uh, you know, that's definitely not a, uh, a quick recovery time too. So I know that that's probably something that uh, a lot of people going into this need, need to make sure that they're aware of before they, before you decide to go that route. Yeah, absolutely too. And, and another thing is it, you know, you don't want to wait 
too long to make that decision on having the surgery or not, because, you know, if you're on the fence about it and you think you might get the surgery, you, you actually want to get it done as soon as possible when the tissue is more viable because it will actually retract. And there are some surgeons that can actually graft in cadaver tissue. Uh, but I got to think that that's probably still not going to be as right. good as the original, probably not as good of a long-term outcome. So just something to, to keep in mind. I know like we're PTs and we're biased and want to go conservative when all possible. But we're thinking about performance. Sometimes in this case, um, surgery is the best option. But you know, I guess we're, you know, we're going to move on a little bit past that um, initial soft tissue healing mm-hmm. phase. So, you know, kind of, you know, I kind of think about it zero to six and then probably looking at, you know, six to six to 12 weeks, maybe we'll call it. So, you know, during that time, you know, we've gotten out of the sling, we're starting to do, you know, more active range of motion. I'm actually able to use my arm for daily activities. I can, I can drive, I can dress myself and that sort of thing. Um, so a lot of what you're kind of doing at the, uh, you know, at the re- repair site itself is you're kind of doing single plane movements, right? You know, think, think shoulder rehab in the beginning, right? So you're hitting, you know, all the stuff you would think about for rotator cuff, your external rotations being, you can go with that a little bit faster going to neutral. And then internal rotation goes a little bit slower because it's more load on the pec and, you know, introducing like shoulder flexion, scaption, extension, all that kind of stuff. It's essentially, you know, the movements that where the pec is going to get more activated, you go slower with, and then the things a little more like the lateral aspect, the shoulder back, the shoulder, like your, you know, your retraction stuff, you can move faster with that, but you got to be mindful about not going into too much shoulder extension, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Right. Um, then as far as introducing compound movements, you know, initially it's, it's as simple as doing loaded carries, right? We're progressing into um, very, very, you know, slow horizontal pulling first, then followed by the pushing. And that's got to be very, very mindful, right? You're going to be starting out with just simple things like putting your hands down on a table or counter and weight shift and going from a wall push up to a floor press. And then and eventually you're going to, you know, work your way to a bench press, but you're probably not looking at doing that honestly until, you know, 12 weeks, maybe a little bit more uh, if you want to be safe with this thing too. You, you typically can actually do some vertical pressing a little bit earlier into this than you than the horizontal pressing. Um, vertical press still is so, a little bit demanding on the pec major itself, so you got to be careful with that too, but it's just a little bit weird in terms of how typically most of our shoulder things, we go into horizontal pressing and then vertical, but we actually end up doing vertical prior to horizontal. I said that three times, but you know, I think you get the idea. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting, man. That's another point that, you know, for me, I would not have uh, had thought about much until getting to see you go through this process and talk to you about it and then getting to go through somebody uh, through this process with somebody. But um, let's say somebody, you know, they're not necessarily, their goal isn't to get back to being a competitive, uh, you know, bench presser or anything like that, or say they decide, you know, I do want to go this conservative route. They're not as concerned with the higher end performance. So um, can you talk a little bit about more, you know, what are some of the differences of that? Where are you starting with, with that for the, uh, you know, the rehab for that individual and what's more of an expected timeline for, for that case? Yeah. So you're, you're definitely um, moving a lot faster, right? Because, you know, we didn't have a repair that we got to protect, but we still do need to protect the injury in the beginning. So a lot of what you're doing, you're just treating the tolerance, right? So you're starting off gentle, you know, gentle range of motion, gentle loading, kind of going from the spectrum to isometrics to, you know, isotonics and you know focusing on the concentric then the eccentric phase and that sort of thing too so it's just really um kind of using your 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 common sense sort of basic exercise science principles as far as that goes and just doing classic progressive resisted exercises and then it's plugging them back into function whatever whatever their goals are whatever they got to deal with in daily life you know maybe it's not in the gym maybe we just got to be able to you know push open doors and stuff like that too things you have to train and you want to actually you know test the waters and test this thing out and make sure you and the patient feel confident but you're probably still if you're really going to do your due diligence and you're really thinking about what's going on at the tissue level you know we're, we're laying down collagen we're going to let make sure we 
be patient with this thing and let that collagen line up properly so we're not going to be prone to tearing this thing over and over again. This is probably something you're going to want to treat for probably a good eight weeks plus if you're really going to, you know, do the right thing there. Yeah, so it's definitely an interesting or a different uh, approach, right? Somebody's going to go this one. Uh, you're not. There's definitely some soft tissue healing time stuff that you're thinking about, but it's a little different than protecting or repair mm-hmm. or something. So it, it, it's unique to see that uh, the differences about that as well. And that's kind of what um, our you mentioned we have somebody on, on our caseload right now. It's more of, of that route, going more the conservative route. It wasn't a, a complete mm-hmm. rupture or anything. So um, that's that's also something to consider too. Is how is um, you know the severity of the initial injury when you're making these uh, determinations. Yeah, but also keep in mind someone has you know a grade one strain. Mm-hmm. You you got to look at that as a warning sign too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those cases where someone's going to probably feel better before they actually are better and ready to, you know, right. overload up that tissue really, really heavy again too. So you got to make sure you educate them on that because it could very quickly, very easily turn into a rupture. And I think in my case, I, beg, I probably developed a, a tendinopathy that started to generate from September, December and finally tore. But, you know, someone gets back in the gym, starts bench pressing really, really heavy just a couple of weeks later because they're feeling good. And that, that could be a problem. Yeah, no. And I, I remember you, telling me again i was i had i had not even started my pt career yet when this was going on so i was just um you know uh, around and we were just friends and, and would, i was doing some shadowing i think at the time and so um i remember you saying yeah there's i think i i may have had this kind of warning sign a couple months ago i didn't necessarily uh you know take into account and 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 really work to address and and so now i kind of look at that in my own training a lot of times uh specifically with my my left knee too started to flare up not yep. too long ago and i remember thinking to myself i was like oh i did some stuff for it i was feeling a little better and i was like oh well i'm gonna take it a little bit slower than i think i need to because you always want to yep. start getting back to it so quickly and then you know i have that discussion with patients all the time but when it was me personally yep. i was ready to get back to heavy squatting and yep. i remember but i remember that conversation i had with you and i was like you know I need to, I need to practice what I preach in that regard. Dude, too. Yeah. Yeah. Help will be man. And, and getting yeah. old as a bitch, man. You know, yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, maybe if I was 10 years younger, I probably would have been fine. It probably wouldn't happen, but yeah. Um, yeah. You got to definitely be smart and use some common sense. And in hindsight, I probably should have, you know, spent some time actually rehabbing that shoulder and it might, yeah. might not have happened, but could have, would have, should have. Yeah. But well, I think that was, that was pretty comprehensive, man. I think that was good information and, and uh, hopefully anybody that's, that's either dealing with, uh, you know, pec issue or if you have a patient on your schedule and you want some more insight there, reaching out to us, um, uh, we'd be happy to talk with you about it too. Or if you have anything like this that you want us to chat about on here, we love when we get suggestions. So um, this one was very relevant to us uh, for today and uh, we're glad we were able to chat about it too. As we talked about earlier, Fitness physio, make sure you have that on your resume. Get signed up. Uh, we, you have all the way until March to sign up, so you still got time. But uh, you know, we hear the people that are signing up now. You know, they're getting they're getting some stuff in yep. their email to uh, to maybe get some discounts on some products. So That's if you right. want to get on that stuff too, you got you got to sign up early to get to get that email. But um, again, we appreciate everybody uh, entertaining that and, and jumping in with us. It's going to be a fun time. So I uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back on Monday with another episode and event two of the fitness physio competition. And one last thing, if you liked the episode, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a five-star review. That way we can reach more people. And if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram at BetterFasterPodcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at VertexPT and at VertexStrength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday.
This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.